as they grew up, I understood the value of childhood when Sean left. It gave me a better appreciation to kind of slow down and appreciate the younger kids as when you see how quickly that first one went out the door. And I think that's when I really started trying to smell those individual roses. And I always pride them. I, I would tell anybody, I, I'm not a kid person. Nah, you can have them. But it, they, they are my biggest accomplishment. They are my biggest joy. I would not change anything about being the mother to any of them. They have brought me my biggest pains, but they have brought me to the highest of highs of, and not because of I'm drafted number one or I'm in the first round or I'm a national champion. Your biggest high can come when nobody's watching. It just so happened to watch Miles with a sick child. My daughter during, during my sister's sick last few months of her, weeks of her illness, she showed me a depth of compassion and love that made me know Lawrence and I did something right has nothing to do with athletics. It's the heart that they have within that is my greatest joy. So when it comes to being their mom and, and some of the things that I would, I, I really appreciate the roses that I'm smelling now. I may not have appreciated them as much when they were little. I was like, ooh, I'd be so glad he'd get his own you know, water. You know, but I, I definitely tell mothers now, especially when you have more than one child, slow down. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby, and that voice you just heard was the voice of Audrey Garrett, the mother of Miles Garrett. On today's special edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, you will hear the interview between Mary Kay Cabot and Audrey Garrett. It's the interview that Mary Kay used to write her story back on April 26th, covering all things having to do with Miles Garrett's about with COVID-19, how his father almost lost his life to COVID-19. And also they get into the Miles Garrett Mason Rudolph helmet incident, and they talk motherhood and what it was like to raise Miles Garrett and his siblings. So now on to our special edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on Mother's Day, Mary Kay Cabot's interview with Audrey Garrett. All right, well, I am joined today by Audrey Garrett, the beautiful mother of Miles Garrett. How are you today? I'm doing well. You're great for the ego. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Um, well, first of all, we're here to talk a little bit about a book that you participated in. So tell me a little bit about the project and why you were excited to do this. Well, I was actually approached by uh, Carl Nassib, who played for the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. And he and Miles knew each other from Lombardi Awards during the, the uh, award cycle in collegiate time. So his mother, Mary, and I, we met during that time and we've always just stayed in touch. And so I'm actually on the board of her uh, foundation, So Good Now. And she reached out, you know, we've always talked about being mothers and how our mothers influenced us. And, and, you know, we get questions all the time about, you know, what did you do? How did you do it? You know, and what's the secret recipe? And Mary was, you know, an easy person to talk to. And it just evolved into her wanting to compile all these mothers of successful children that cross boundaries that were in business and an artistic world, not just athletes. And I was just privileged for her to ask me and it was a privilege to do it. Oh, that's fantastic. Finally, mother's getting a little bit of the recognition that they deserve for all of this, right? <laughs> Story. <laughs> hi, mom. That's, you know, that's what we, they all say. Hi, mom. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. So catch me up a little bit, if you will, Audrey, on your four children and sort of where they are all at right now. Okay, so um, most people realize I have three children, which are Sean Williams, Bria Garrett, and Miles Garrett. I also have a fourth. Uh, her name is Tiffany Williams, and she's actually our oldest. She's my bonus daughter by my husband. And then Sean was my bonus. He got a bonus child when we got we got married, and then we had Bria and Miles together. So Tiffany is preparing for law school, trying to uh, finish and get ready. In fact, she and Bria are both trying to go to law school right now. Bria is an Aggie who graduated in 2015. Um, Sean has recently kind of retired. I think COVID really had the biggest influence in him 
uh, retiring uh, from playing internationally. He was, you know, first round draft pick 2004, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Miles is the reason we're talking. <laughs> He's on vacation yes. right now. So there we go. Tell me a little bit about um, what was Miles like? As you mentioned, we are mostly talking about Miles today. Uh, So kind of what was he like growing up? What was it like to raise Miles Garrett? Easiest kid ever. Um, And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of moms may say that, but I had two dynamic personalities in, in Sean and Bria. And Miles is 10 years younger than Sean and Bria and Miles are about two and a half years apart, two, two and a half. So she would talk for him. <laughs> you know, he literally did not have to say anything. Miles just kind of discovered himself when Bria went to college. <laughs> you know, he, he just, he was a kid who never asked for anything. You knew how to, he was easy to please. You knew what he wanted for breakfast. You know, he just, he never complained. Never. Miles was that kid that I didn't have to discipline a lot. He he learned by example. He was like, yeah, I don't want none of that y'all getting over there. So he, <laughs> he actually was very, um, a very chill kid, just like he is as a man. He takes after my husband like that. My husband is a very chill personality. Uh, Bree and I are very, you know, extroverted. And so he was just an easy kid to take care of. Now, when I read your chapter in the book, which is excellent, I I read about, you know, just how you really put that emphasis on education for your children, and they really didn't even uh, start playing sports seriously until a a little bit later in life. Can you explain a little bit about that? Well, I come from a family of athletes. All of us participated in sports. My brother and I, Chris, we, we actually went to school on scholarships and he did football. I did track and field. My, my younger brother and my oldest sister, they were both academics. Now it's not that we weren't smart. We just, that was just where our talents lie. I'm very gifted. And so I always hated the thought and the, the impression that young black athletes are um, dumb jocks. I hate it with a passion, hate it with a passion. Everybody assumed you didn't get into it. I mean, I went to a wonderful university, Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, one of the top HBCUs in the country. It's a, it was a wonderful place to get an education. And so I was bound and determined that if they were going to be athletic, we laid the foundation, my husband and I, early, you weren't coming in here, you know, just skimming by. There weren't going to be any pass or fail. Fail? What is a fail? You know, so we made sure to incorporate early, you did homework and having that distance and, and gap in age with Miles and Sean and Bria, we were able, they were able to see my, Sean do homework. So they would sit at the table and we would give them there so they could do homework. And it just became an interesting dynamic. It became part of their natural behavior versus having to, you know, fight to get them to do it. It, it, it just was what it was. So Miles then, like, I think you mentioned that he really didn't get too involved in football until when then? Oh, my. He he did like a year where he he attempted to play football and he was out there. Texas Heat is no, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. And he came off that field and he was like, Daddy, I don't want to play no more. (laughs) And he hadn't even played a game, I don't think. And my (laughs) husband actually let him quit. And that's one of those things that that I just refuse to do. I believe if you start something as a kid and I've spent money on it, oh, you're not quitting. I don't care if it's piano lessons. I don't <laughs> care if, if I haven't gotten instructor to teach you how to play tic-tac-toe, you're going to get those instructions. And so we, I could not believe that he let Miles quit. And, you know, but he's the youngest. So, you know, we're a lot more lax with him. And, you know, it just, he had no interest. He was a basketball player. He he wanted to be Sean Williams part two, and he was out there just playing basketball, but he was so chunky, you know, I mean, he was, he was never overweight. He was just always the biggest kid on the block, even at his age. I mean, he came here an 11 pound baby and he did not disappoint. 11 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you delivered him, at, I mean, at 11 pounds. Yes. Yeah. Well, Sean was 10 pounds, 10 pounds. I had big babies. Bria was almost eight, but I knew once I had miles, I wouldn't have any kids. Oh my goodness. My baby bear days was over. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a six month old, for goodness sake. <laughs> no. Yeah, so he, you know, he was he really thought of himself as a basketball player. So he started playing basketball early. You know, one just outside with Sean and the, we always had a basketball court in the driveway. And so his passion was actually basketball. And um he got a couple of he got he got two offers to play at the division one level. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but he was Miles Garrett, the football player at that point. So who were those offers from? I will not say. I will, I'll say one. One is Providence with, with uh, Ed Cooley. And oh, so, nice. Um, yeah, Ed is a, is a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Was he tempted to take a, a basketball offer? We had known Ed for so long. Ed you, was actually the coach that recruited Sean to Boston College. Okay. So as a family, we had known Ed for a long time. And then when he got to see Miles, he was like, are you kidding me? You know, he's like, how does this happen? And he knew him as Miles Garrett, the football player, but he never, Ed never really, you know, knew that Miles played ball until he came and saw, saw him play one year. And it was like, okay, I got to offer this kid. How is nobody offering this kid? But most people saw Miles as at that point, the up and coming, you know, collegiate kind of, you know, going into college kind of thing. And they didn't make the offers. He wasn't getting it from there. Okay. Very interesting. I watch him now, you know, on, uh, on uh, Instagram and, and Twitter shooting hoops. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty amazing. Okay. So in the chapter, I read something that I didn't know about Miles, and that was that he had those surgeries when he was 11 and 12. Yeah. And so that kind of shaped and impacted him a little bit too, right? It does. If you ever watch him walk, um, he walks with his left foot kind of turned in. Mm-hmm. And he's always very slow and in his gait when he walks. In fact, when you see him run and he pushes off, his left foot is kind of turned in. Dr. Dan Bakta did a wonderful job. We actually, how we found out Miles needed surgery is my husband had back surgery. And they told us, the back surgeon said, everything starts from your feet. So he referred us to Dr. Bakta. And during a visit, we said, oh, well, Miles has feet just like him. And he said, bring him in. Let's look at him. And he said he took, you know, scans of his feet and he said his feet are totally collapsed. So your feet look like this. Miles's feet look like this. His bones were collapsed. He had no arch, no anything. So Dr. Bakta went in, put in arches. They snipped a tendon in the back mm. so that it was too tight. Miles couldn't even dunk the ball. He had no hops whatsoever. So when you see him jumping and, and doing those videos and doing the, um, the standing jump, it's amazing because the kid had no jumps until he got that surgery. And at that point he started dunking the ball and here wow. we go. Miles Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 years old and 12 years old, he had one each, right. each year. One after the other. Yeah. Wow. That, that is pretty incredible. So I also wanted to ask you, and, and I've talked to Miles a little bit about this and he, he's always such a gentleman whenever I talk to him. And I'm, I, every time I talk to Miles, I think you and, and Lawrence did a phenomenal job of raising him. He really uh, just presents himself uh, so well and represents the family so well out and out in the world. So you've done a good job, mama. (laughs) Joint effort, joint effort. Uh, But anyways, so um, in talking to Miles, we we talked about Sean and Sean's struggles and how they helped inform and shape Miles. And one of the first times I talked to Miles, uh, he said, I've never even drank a beer or anything like that because of, of what, what, Sean went through. So can you, I mean, can you, if, if you will share a little bit about, you know, what you guys, you know, what Sean went through, what you guys went through as a family and how you all dealt with it. The one thing we have allowed, Sean taught me a lot of lessons. I'll, I'll put it like that. Sean is true to himself. If you ever got a chance to speak to Sean, Sean walks in to beat his own drum. He never tried to impose his decisions on anyone else. He completely owns his life. He's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed. He's comfortable in his journey. And so he's not, I'm not saying he's proud of it. Oh, I smoke weed. I got, you know, it's not that he's just like, I made decisions. I had consequences from my decisions, but it all makes me the man that I am. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I will always say, and I think if you ever asked a question to Miles, he would say the same thing. Sean was the best big brother I could have asked for. 
because while he was in the midst of his own struggles, he was also talking to his younger siblings about this might not be the path for you. I know I'm making these choices and, and you're seeing me, but this is my journey. And so though Miles observed some things and decided that wasn't the path for him, he got a front seat to what it was like to choose an alternate path. And, but Sean is the biggest supporter for Bria and Miles. He always has been. When he went into the league, the one thing he did consistently was reach back to his siblings and make sure they were involved. I mean, when you have such a huge gap in the ages of children, the older ones can be disconnected from the younger ones. Sean was so glad to get siblings. You know, there are seven years between Sean and, and Bria, and he was so glad to get a sibling. He had been asking me for a sister. Thank God God delivered a sister for him. Um, <laughs> and he really views it as a privilege to have siblings. How we handled it as a family, because trust, it wasn't easy. I remember the first time when he was dismissed from Boston College. And, you know, it's, it's a very humbling uh, feeling to see your child's face and name go across the ticker of ESPN that says he's been dismissed or, you know, he might have been arrested or or whatever. It was very humbling, but I've always been very proud of Sean. But it did. It it was it was hard to try to figure out how we're going to. They know the perfect Sean, their brother. You know, they know the the the, the heart of that young man. They're seeing the public display and him. So we had, it was a balance, you know, but we just supported him in his journey. And I'm very proud of the man and the father that, that Sean is. He's an excellent dad. I have that 13 year old grandchild I talked to you about. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was a journey that we shared as a family. It, it was a struggle because when you have impressionable young kids that Sean was Miles's idol. You know, that way he he idolized his older brother. So he was very hurt to see Sean go through these struggles, very hurt as a, a person to go through these, to watch his brother, his beloved brother go through these struggles. Bria and Sean, Bria has my personality. So she, Bria was more like, so what's up with you doing this mess? You know, <laughs> you know, Miles internalizes. That is the the Lawrence side of him. He internalizes where Bria was, Bria and Sean had more direct conversations and Miles internalized and they probably didn't have good conversation about those situations until he got to be maybe in high school, you know, junior high school time. And it seemed like when I did talk to Miles about this, it almost seemed like uh, a lot of his pain involving what Sean went through was to see how it hurt you. I mean, do you think that that, that yeah. was a lot of what Miles was feeling? He probably did. Miles is very sensitive and there's no way to hide as a mother when you have children in the house, the pain. I mean, like I was crying. I was like, this is my child. And, and people see that outside and they, you know, they're, they're calling your children names and, and they don't know the inside child. And now mind you, I don't put anything past any of my kids. I didn't raise anything that was perfect, but I know the hearts of my children. So it's no different. I know we'll probably get to this later. It's no different than when the Mason Rudolph thing happened. Mm -hmm. I knew the heart of Miles. So right. that outward thing that you just saw to hear my son referred to as a thug and hear, you know, Sean referred to as a, a drug addict and a, you don't know anything about what you're talking about, you know? So it, it, it was stressful to me as a mom. It was stress. It was stressful to, you know, all of us as parents. I mean, we were, it's not just me. It was my husband. It was Sean's dad. You know, his grandparents that, you know, went, it was it was hard. When I did talk to Miles about the fact that, you know, he never had a beer, never tried weed or anything like that. I mean, that is so unusual for yeah. uh, for a for a young person today. Yeah. Uh, to, so what was what was that like? I mean, you had to be like, oh, thank you, God. Right. Well, as much as I laugh and talk about it, I drink wine, I drink wine, I drink wine. I started drinking wine. <laughs> After the kids left more so than during. And in the 30 years that Lawrence and I have been together, I've seen him have one drink and we were on vacation in Hawaii. So alcohol was never like this predominant thing in our house. Miles laughs at it now. And so does my husband because baby during during the pandemic, I was, I, I was fine. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the, 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 we have, um, yeah, I'm well supplied with mine. Yes. But, you know, it, it wasn't something that was 
in this household anyway. Mm -hmm. And how actually how Sean got onto the, the weed kick was he actually went to another school in order for him to go to, we transferred from a smaller school district because it, it was, it was just a very small, we moved into a community where there weren't a lot of minorities. It was really a struggle. And we felt like young black men in that school district were being targeted and uh, by the principal. And so we uh, decided that he was going to go to a large school. District. We wanted him to go to the same school that the children ended up going to, but unbeknownst to us, we had moved into a house that even though it was in our same city, it was zoned to a different city school district. And so we tried him at that smaller school district that wasn't working. And so I got a girlfriend who did educational guardianship for me, but it was down in the city down the street. And he met a young man who that was his thing and turned him on to it. And, you know, the rest is history, you know, so very interesting, very interesting ride. Yeah, that is very, very interesting and um, and good for you and good for, for Miles that he, uh, you know, that he did take that, that different route. Okay, so in addition to everything that we've talked about so far about Miles, can you discuss, I mean, why don't we just talk about the helmet incident? Because I've talked to Miles about it and it just completely 100% struck me how you guys really rallied around him as a family and supported him through that to the point where it didn't define him and it didn't become who Miles is or was. And that's really a, a tough thing to have to, to go through on national television. So can you take me through that a little bit, uh, you know, maybe starting from that night? Well, we were there that night. Uh, Lawrence and I go to every game. I've missed a few, but my husband has been at every game. And it just so happened that was a game where we were both in attendance. I was actually riding in the car with Miles. So when it happened on the field, Lawrence and I are sitting there. I don't watch football. I watch Miles. Mm -hmm. So then I always go back home and I watch the game. But during the game, I'm in mommy mode. I'm trying to make sure my child is not hurt. And so we, um, you know, I, I was like, oh, my God, he's swinging the helmet. Oh, my God. You know, and I was like, OK, some stuff went down. I, it Miles doesn't have that temperament. He has Lawrence's temperament. Audrey would have hit you with the helmet probably <laughs> twice. He takes after his dad. There's nothing about other than his aggressive competitiveness. There is nothing about my child. He doesn't even look like me. If you put Miles and I in the room together with 20 other kids and 20 other mothers, they I, we'd be the two last people standing there because we just, <laughs> you know, he's mine, I promise. But um, his demeanor is that of his dad's. And technically, he doesn't look like Lawrence, but at least he favors the man, you know. And so, but his personality, his demeanor, his outlook on life is more, we were always concerned about Miles's level of competitiveness because he was just so mild mannered. And you know, when that, when he, when he hit Mason, Lawrence and I were like, oh snap, you know, first I'm concerned is the young man hurt. And then, you know, well, my first thought was what the hell did he say? I mean, cause that's the only thing on a field that you can do to another player is say something had no idea what was said, but you know, what happened? We get in the car. It took like an hour and a half for, you know, Miles to finally come out, which is rare to take that long. He comes out, he couldn't even talk in the car. He was hot. Mm. And, you know, we probably got halfway to his house and he said, he called me the N word. He said, I, I was hot, you know, and I said, on the field, he said, you know, you, he talks about how people talk anyway. Miles is not a big trash talker, but he will respond and kind of like, you know, get out of my face. I'm sure with some expletives in there. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't do a lot of expletives, but some expletives in there. And, you know, I was like, hmm, okay. Miles was no different than us rallying around Sean. Mm -hmm. And... And regardless of, we're not saying what was, it was right. We're saying we're going to support you through it. And we're going to lift you and support you in a way that you come through this hole because one time, one thing doesn't define a person's life. And while people are so willing to throw stones, 
what pisses me off is what's in your closet? What would you not want someone to know about some behavior that might not have been shown you in your best light? You know, and, and we all have it. They just have that a magnitude. And I think people get caught up in the fact, well, they making more money. They, eh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it was a bad moment for both of them. And I'm glad that each of them were able to man up and approach each other and put it in the past. And if, if the media will do the same, you know, not every year the the, Pits, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns play each other. It shouldn't be a topic of conversation. It's in the past. Mm-hmm. It's in the past. The men have put it in the past, put it in the past. And, and when I, I had the opportunity, which I was very grateful for, to have a one-on-one conversation with Miles uh, last summer. I can't remember if it was right before training camp. I think it was. And he confided in me a few things. And I, I, he really kind of opened up a little bit. And he did say, you know, he admitted that he actually contemplated quitting football during that time yeah. because this was such an emotional time. I mean, yeah. take me through a little bit of that and how that was sort of processed. I guess it was a few weeks after I actually asked him. He, had, he didn't say anything. I said, so, you know, I knew how much this 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 whole thing troubled him, the impression that people had of him, that he was a dirty player. I mean, because he had gotten fined for, you know, hitting the quarterback the right way uh, uh, or whether it was the right way or not the right way. So he was getting a little bit of a, um, a reputation for being a dirty player, which is something he doesn't ever want because he's not trying to hurt anybody. At the end of the day, you want everybody to go home safely. And he was just like, this is not, I'm not just a football player. I have options and I'm cool if I walk away. And I just happened to say to him, have you ever considered just walking away and leaving this alone? And he said, yeah, mom, I actually have. And I said, well, where are you on that? He said, I just want to talk about it a little bit more. And so um, I leave those conversations with his dad. My, My question was more of his mental, where was he mentally? But I leave the conversations about that career path and being a football player with his dad. And mm-hmm. so they had those conversations. And when, you know, it was all said and done, they kind of let me know, you know, where he was. Wow, that that was that was pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, to to yeah. actually think about to go from knowing that you could be one of the best defensive ends in the history of the game to thinking, you know, hey. I, I might walk away from this. But you have to remember, if the, if you don't consider that football is your end all be all anyway, and it's mm-hmm. not, it's just a part of who you are and it doesn't define you. Miles is more focused on making, not so much a name for himself, but making an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you know it came from Miles Garrett. He doesn't do things where he publicizes it. People would never know. You know, he has done many things, if it, you know, when he paid for funerals and stuff during the Black Lives Matter protests and, and things were going on, he wasn't doing it for the publicity. In fact, if somebody else hadn't leaked it, that it, nobody would have known. And he talked about it only because somebody asked him about it. He doesn't he doesn't play football for, of course he wants to go into the Hall of Fame. Let me, let me be clear. He's not he's not playing it just for the, the art of the game. He's he, he wants to be one of the best, but it's not his end all be all. You know, just like he'll say, well, my goal is I wanted to be the defensive player. I wanted to be the MVP. I want to, you know, it's it's not his end all be all. He's not going to go commit suicide because if he doesn't make it, he's like, I got other things I want to do in this world to impact the world. Yeah, that's tremendous. And, you know, I really I, I watched him after that and I observed him almost in some ways. You know, I, I actually sometimes bring my maternal instincts to my job. Right. Uh, and as, as you know, we've talked about, I also have, I have three children and they're 24, 22 and 20 right now. So I have a tremendous appreci- appreciation for the age group that yeah. Miles is, right? <laughs> and I, uh, I, I understand uh, the mindset a little bit, I think. Um, so I watched him and I really observed him even with his teammates. He was so different when he came back after this incident. He was so much more engaged. Uh, he was more mature. Pardon me? Matured. Yes. More mature. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, he, he used to keep to himself a little bit. And I think, and he, it seemed like he prided himself on just kind of marching to his own drummer, doing his own thing. He would be off, you know, taking nature photos and things like that. 
when, when he came back from this incident, I just saw him uh, just get so much closer to his teammates and, in, and engage with his teammates in a way that I really hadn't seen before. Well, I'll say this. So many of his teammates supported him in the midst of it, who you, it's, it's not that he wasn't close to his teammates. He just, it's a job. I mean, how close are you to some of your, your coworkers? It's a job. You enjoy their company, but you got a whole life. And I think one of the things that that lesson taught him was it is a work family. And he got to see the support that his teammates gave him off the field when nobody was looking. Nobody had to ask, do you support your teammate, Miles Garrett? You know, they they showed the support through texts and calls and making sure he was okay. And so when he came back, that he really had a, a feeling of reciprocation that, you know, he knew he was, it, it really matured him. It, it I saw a change in him, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really credit a lot of that to talking to his dad. I, I really allow the men to be the men they need to be with their dad. Mom doesn't, there are some conversations for mom and we have a place. I think I've done, a. I think we do 90% of our place from 21 and under. And then at some point, that's why I think young people need both male and females in their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because 100%. you actually serve each per, each role serves, each sex serves a purpose. So, you know, my dad died early, but I got 11 years of that worth of men or a man or what is it. And, and the, the values that I got from my dad are different from the values that my brother got. So it's funny when this happened, it to me made the men closer and they already had a really cool bond anyway, but it, it made them closer. And, you know, they have the same, like I said, personalities. So they were able to, to talk. Lawrence really knows Miles when he wants to talk and then how to leave him alone, give him his space. Cause Lawrence is the same way. So I really credit a lot of that maturity and, and thought process. You know, his agent was really good. Bus is an older guy. You know, he's, he's not easily frazzled. He's like, you know, miles, we're going to handle this. And all the things that miles did afterwards, everything going to uh, Tanzania, Tanzania, mm-hmm. um, those things were already in place. This was nothing Sean uh, Miles did to to help his image. All these things were already in place because that's where his heart is. He wasn't going to go hide. He was, you know, did he do something wrong? Yes. But I'm always going to go to comma. He was defending himself. So that part. As you should. As That's, that's the mama bear, right? <laughs> well, I think you call a spade a spade. Now, I am that mother that will call a spade a spade. I don't, like I said, I don't put anything past anybody. My children, I know their mother. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my kids, are, my, I mean, my kids are, if they murder somebody, I'm going to still stand beside you. I'm not going to say, little Johnny would have done that. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, but I still stand beside him and support him. It's, it's, it's one thing to be supportive of your child. And it's one thing to be blind of what your children will do. I'm not blind or, um, not in or incapable of seeing that at any point a kick dog will will bite you know so i don't put anything past my kids but it doesn't mean i can't support them even in some of their foolishness you know you just you just you just have to draw the line and make sure that you know they understand how far you're you know you'll support them and but you got to pay the price and consequences for your actions it, it just seemed like too he he came back with a renewed uh, sense of appreciation for the game he just seemed, you know, it, it, he turned a, a real negative, it seemed to me, and maybe, maybe I'm, re- it seemed like he turned a real negative into a positive in very many ways. Well, he did come back and play with a purpose. I mean, because he was on such a, a, a role, you know, at the time that this happened. I mean, our team was looking good. He was looking good. It has, his, the action hurt the team. So I also think he came back with more, I've got to, reestablish myself with the team. Those are his brothers in arms, you know? And so I think he came back with a determination to redeem himself with his brothers on the field. Miles has 
an inner fire that it took a long time to light, but good gracious, when it got lit, yeah, he he's he's gonna handle his stuff. He's gonna handle his business. You know, the funny thing is, is that when you're in the trenches on the field, a lot of things are being said. I don't, I, I personally, I've never asked him about it. Like I said, I don't think Mason Rudolph said a whole bunch of stuff. I think Mason Rudolph said the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, you probably then may have appreciated seeing Miles, you know, approach him after after that game. If if you saw him, I didn't uh, care one way or another. Oh, you didn't. Okay, it, oh, I was done with it. Oh, it's as far as it was, okay. If, I got you. If you don't ask me about it, but that's the character of the man Miles is. Yes. Um, and that makes me proud as a mother. But if he hadn't, I'm just as cool. Ironically, when he approached Mike Tomlin, that was the one that tickled me because our families go back a bit growing up in the same era, um, going being in the same neighborhood, you know, and our neighborhood is very close knit, even though we've all gone and matured and grown and, you know, married and professionals and stuff. But now here this person is who I've known in my youth coaching against my son. And that's, you know, when Miles went up to him, he's always heard, you know, we know the Tomlins and you know, it's, it's, so it's funny to me when, when they interact and, you know, that it was made, what, what was he talking to Mike Tomlin about? My mama playing words with friends with his brother, Ed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it, people want to make so much out of stuff that sometimes it's so inconsequential that things are bigger in life than just on the football field. And that's some of the things that we always told our kids that it's just not your sports that are going to determine you as a person, it doesn't, you know, you would never know Bria was a national champion. She doesn't go around waving her band. I'm a national champion. You know, it just, it, there are so many other things. She wants to be a social, you know, action lawyer. She wants to, to defend the people who would murder, not defend the people who murdered George Floyd, get justice for people who like George Floyd, who was murdered. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's giving back to the community. It's, it's not sports. Sports is a platform for you to be able to, get where you need to be and have a voice. And I truly believe in athletes using their platform to bring about change, to bring about awareness. If you, I don't care where your platform comes from. I don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's music. I don't care about Jay-Z and Beyonce talking. I don't care if it's Garth Brooks making a stand. Whatever your platform is, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. In between, I don't care. If you have a platform and you have influence, you should use it. That's that's why God gift, gifted it to you. He didn't gift it just for money. He gifted you for making change. So use what platform mm -hmm. you have to make a change. And Miles has really certainly taken uh, full advantage, I think, of his platform over over the last year. I mean, for all the way from, as you mentioned, the Water Boys trip to Tanzania, which had already been set up ahead of time, mm -hmm. which I know seemed sort of like almost a life-changing, eye-opening trip for him. It was. Right? Very I mean, much so, yes. Uh, I mean, you could just see in his eyes just how much it meant to be with those kids, didn't it? I mean, I, well, you know what? Ironically, he had the same experience. He went to Haiti when he was in college. That is where his service light bulb took off, even though he always, you know, as an example, was given the opportunity to serve as a younger person until you see a young man who's happy in who he is and he has no shoes on and you got 20 pair. He don't have one. You know, Miles left his shoes down there and, and came back with one pair of shoes because, and they were flopping on the young man he gave them to, of course, but he, Miles realized he had so much more to give and how these kids can be so happy in, in their, their, you know, Haiti is a cesspool after the the hurricanes upon hurricanes and the, the poverty that was already there. He goes to Tanzania and he says no clean water and and it's it's impactful when when you think I just get to go in the bathroom turn on the tap and take a shower, you know mm -hmm. I get to go and just you know go get some water out the refrigerator, and he said looking at Brown Road and they're talking about you drink this. He mm -hmm. wasn't ready it, and it, it was it was a very humbling experience, but once again it opened up an already big beautiful heart that was already in there. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing to watch him come into his own, I think, in so many ways, just from a humanity standpoint yeah. and a team standpoint. Uh, it was just such a year of, of growth for him Indeed. after, right, after, after a challenging incident.
So I'm going to take a, a, a sharp turn here into the body issue. Okay. Yes. Come through. Yes. 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 <laughs> because uh, I, I also remember talking to Miles about that. And when I asked him how this came about, he said, it was my mom's idea. <laughs> Honey, so, I've been wanting that body issue since there was a body issue. And it just, it just so happened. I, I appreciate a good body. I mean, I'm a former athlete, so I love muscles. Honey, Saquon Barkley's uh shoot was even better than miles's but cougar 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 but it, no i'm just i'm just kidding well no i'm not kidding but yeah i'm not looking at he's a baby anyway i reached out until i got to the right person who could get me to the right person to get him in this body shoot and miles has always been very i mean i used to have to tell that boy put on a shirt put on a shirt put on a shirt and and my boy in my house in my, I can't speak for anybody else. In my house, the boys were not allowed to walk around with shirtless in the house because they have a sister. And that meant she had to be fully clothed too. I mean, I just, it's just a matter of respect. You don't leave the house or be outside unless you're playing sports with no shirt on. I just don't walk around the street like that. Nothing. So as he was building into this, you know, Greek God that he was in high school, you know, um, when he started lifting weights, he became very, I mean, the APAC, you know, son. Yeah, and yeah. so I, you know, let's celebrate the human body. I believe in celebrating male and female. If I could have got Bria in there, I would have too. I mean, did you have to talk him into it? Was he, uh, you know, a little reluctant to do it at first? Was he all for it? How did that go down? He didn't say no. I asked him, would he do it? And like I said, he's always been very, you know, proud of his body. And he said, well, I said, well, you know, all your good stuff would be, you know, covered appropriately. And I showed him a couple of issues and he was like, oh, that's cool. And he said, you really think you'll be able to get it done? And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was, it, I, I, I really, I just went from one person to the next person. I can be rather, rather tenacious about some things when I really want them done. And I finally got to the person I needed to get to and they jumped on it in a heartbeat and we got it done it was and we went out we went out there his dad and i were out there in joshua tree with him a couple of his friends but you know when they went to go on site and take off the clothes and do the thing we didn't go i see i've, I've seen his naked butt before i changed his diapers so <laughs> i had no need and neither did his dad to to actually view the photography so once he came back when they came back to the house location where we were, they were showing us the, the 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 prints, and they were just artistic to me. And really, it was about the the artistry of it. I would actually like a body issue in which not only do you celebrate the the young people that look like Miles and that gymnast from UCLA, I can't remember her name. They're actually good friends. Her body is gorgeous too. I want one where the athletes are not necessarily athletic looking, mm -hmm. you know, um, not every athlete is going to be a Greek God or a Greek goddess, you know, some, you know, show me a sumo wrestler. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it, the body, the athletic body, depending on your sport, you know, I love Prince Fielders when he was in the body issue. He wasn't the, and I think Pudge did it too. They weren't the but they were sexy. The bodies were sexy, you know, and so I, I celebrate the human body. So you were really happy with the way it turned out and Miles was really happy with the way it came out? I'll say it like this. I found out that I had more older old women looking at my baby. <laughs> I, you know, did I, did I have second thoughts? No, but I, I realized I got inboxed. Was I happy with the artistic nature of it? Yes. These old cougars need to go get this some business. Go find your old man. <laughs> but I'm over here talking to you about Saquon Barkley giving me. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah I, I loved it. I loved it. In fact, um, you know, we were talking yesterday before we, when we were planning this um, right. about Jadavian Clowney. Mm -hmm. And so when I ran into Clowney again, I said, you know, would you be interested in doing the, the issue and he was like i gotta get back in shape so as soon as i could get with jadavian and see if he's gotten his body to where he needs it to be i'm gonna try to get him to strip and be in the digital yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome how did you get to know jadavian a little bit 
I met him through Bus Cook. He and he and Miles had the same agent, Bus Cook. Bus and I were, I think we were in Indianapolis. They were gonna play. I think it was Indianapolis. No, it was somewhere. Well, he was playing for Seattle at the time. But we weren't, I don't think we were in Seattle. Anyway, Bus took me with him to, he said, I want you to meet Jadavian. And I was like, okay. And you know. Um, we do. We did marketing for Miles for the first couple of years that he was in the league, and and Davian was kind of looking for some rep- representation marketing wise, and and it didn't work out for us and our marketing uh, company. But you know, we'd always heard about Davian because he went to South Carolina. They're all in the SEC. Miles went to you know A and M, and so you know it was Miles was always compared to Jadavian Clowney being the previous defensive end pick number 1 in the draft so it was it was a match made in heaven just to meet him and he's a he's a great young man i i really enjoyed him he has a nice lovely family oh great and so you've met his kids and all that kind of stuff and yeah great 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 family yeah and so if if he ends up here which i mean that could actually happen we're taping this the day before that uh he might actually sign to become a Cleveland Brown so that would be exciting wouldn't it I'm hoping so. I, I wanted it last year, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah. I, and first thing I'm gonna do is reach out and, and see if I can't get him over for a barbecue at Miles's house and, and welcome him to Cleveland. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. I wanted to ask you also about, um, Miles went through a very challenging time this year when he came down with the coronavirus. Yeah. You know, once again, you know, I really try to observe, a lot about what I see. And, you know, after that, I would go out to practice and I would watch him, you know, just kind of going through the bags and going through the drills. And, and I could tell even after he came back uh, that he was kind of struggling to, you know, with his wind and with his conditioning. And I knew that it was a very difficult time for him. I know he battled through that through the rest, through the rest of the year. So take me through that a little bit, because also when we talked to him about it, he mentioned that you and Lawrence also had the coronavirus. Correct. So maybe, maybe that's a good place to start. Should we start with you guys having it? Um, we got it in July and uh, going into August, it, it almost cost Lawrence his life. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. It was, it was that touch and go. He had COVID induced pneumonia. Um, the breathing was compromised. They, they intubate you from my understanding at 88% uh, oxygenization. He was at 89. He went to the oh emergency God. room twice. Um, I remember uh, Bria calling me because even though I was sick, my de- I was definitely mild. And um, I was, you know, trying to take care of him. And she said her dad told her, I'm scared to go to sleep because I'm scared I won't wake up. It was oh. it was it was the, to that level. And what most people don't realize is that Miles took just before I mean, literally the day before um, camp was to start, he flew down here and we wouldn't let him get any further than the driveway to, to mm-hmm. lay eyes on his parents because we didn't know technically. Wow. Yeah. Even though I was, oh, I mean, mine was different, my, but very, very mild to me. The fatigue was crazy. Um but Lawrence was, it was, it was touch and go. And so he, he really flew down to lay eyes on his parents and all he could do was come into the driveway while Lawrence sat in a chair in the garage. And then I, then I had to help Lawrence back into the house. And I mean, it was like leaning on the car for five minutes. I kissed just walking from the back room to the driveway was like, you had ran a marathon for him. It was bad. Um, I can tell you that for those people who haven't experienced it, the hospitals were so inundated that even with COVID-induced pneumonia, and I hadn't even been diagnosed at that point, we had gone to get tested. He couldn't even generate enough spit to get tested. And Mm -hmm. he was so out of it that at the testing location, they called an ambulance and took him immediately to the emergency room. From there, you've got COVID-induced pneumonia, uh, go home. Good luck. Cause we can't innovate you now. And can't, I mean, literally when I drove to get him, they had put him on the curb at the hospital. He was sitting on the curb outside at the, because they can't do it. They're, they're in there fighting for people's lives on a ventilator. So I'm like, I, he wouldn't even get in the car, like in the passenger seat. We have an SUV. He, oh, he had me open the back and he crawled in the back on the third row area and just laid in this little area. 
because he was like, if you don't have it because I wasn't showing those symptoms. So if you don't have it, I don't want to give it to you. He's like, roll down the window, you know, and, you know, we got him in the house and got him. It was, it was really bad. So then, you know, months later, you know, NFL starts. What people don't realize is Miles has, uh, and all three kids actually have asthma and it's something I gave them genetically. Um, and it's ironic because you don't view elite athletes as being, you know, respiratorily challenged. But every year, Miles goes through a phase where he needs an inhaler. He goes through a bronchitis phase, a sinus infection. It's happened since he was a little person. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened COVID hit him in that same time frame. And so he, the struggle of watching him and um, just... You know, we we didn't go up there because, you know, we couldn't subject ourselves. My husband said he didn't think he could live through it again. So, you know, we had to to kind of FaceTime this girlfriend. His girlfriend who lives with him got nothing. Hmm. They never tested positive or anything. He had a, uh, he has a girlfriend that lived up there with him and, and, a, and a guy friend, you know, that, that works for him. And they got nothing in the same house. And Miles, he was like, this took me down. And so watching him... I'm always keeping an eye on him anyway, especially in cooler weather. It's you're, when you have asthma like that and you're trying to be an athlete, you're sucking in cold air in lungs that are already, you know, just kind of compromised. It was rough watching him. They didn't show it a lot on TV during games, but he'd be kneeling on the sideline or sucking in oxygen on the sideline. And as a mom, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done was to have him watch him go through that stuff. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't realize uh, things were to that extent. Yeah. So um, did he ever consider opting out knowing that he has asthma? Did he, did you guys have a discussion like that? He never considered it. Okay. Never considered and it. Now from that time that Lair, that Lawrence went to the hospital. So he was, was he ever admitted to the hospital? No, him? but what happened was he, I picked him up off the curb, <laughs> took him at home. And we end up having to call the e, the emergency the ambulance to come get him again, like two or three days later, because mm. he almost passed out. So they we went to a different hospital, okay. and from there they gave him meds. But by this time, I was starting to feel, you know, I had no taste, no smell. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the milder kind of symptoms of of the COVID. So um, I'm in a sorority, as you can probably see over my shoulder. <laughs> I, I'm in a sorority and I called one of my my um, chapter sisters who is a physician and told her, I said, yo, this is what's happening with Lawrence. She put us on a protocol. I mean, went, she went natural, holistic, I mean, bone broth. And within a couple of days, we were both feeling much better. So bone broth, what else did she have you on there? Just for Oh, my goodness. She she had us get like the zinc, the this. Um, yeah, quercetin. Yeah, I mean, so she, I, I kept the paperwork. So, because if I yeah. ever get it again, I'm going to get, you know, I keep the, the the vitamin stuff that she told me. I keep it at the house and we take it. But the, the, the stuff that she told me to get and cook and make sure, you know, she said, you're not doing the broth. You're doing the broth. It's not for um, the meat. She said, don't worry about giving him meat, give him the broth, you know, and yes. we start drinking that bone broth and, and the other things that she has suggested. And literally within two days we had made, we had turned a corner and we were still in the thick of it as far as time-wise of what they say COVID lasts. It, it, Lawrence started testing negative like two weeks after his incubation period, like so you had 14 days within yeah. two weeks, he was testing negative. Ironically, I tested I tested positive for another month. Oh, wow. So it took, even though mine was milder, you know, it took us longer. It took me longer to get rid of it. So we recently got the first shot and uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and we're due to get the second shot this coming weekend. And of all the things that could happen, my first shot took me out. Mm. I was like laid up, like, Aww. I'm going to die now. <laughs> Take oh, me now. No. And Lawrence running around here like everything's cool with him. And I'm like, you should have got you know, he was like, hell, I almost died with COVID. Can't you take this one? So I'm hoping <laughs> that 
when uh, we get our second. I'm hoping and praying. I just because I I was ready for the Lord to come get me, take oh me there. It, that first <laughs> shot gave me hell. I was like, gee whiz, yeah. Oh, you poor thing. Well, I hope the second one goes way way better for you. Yeah. So Miles must have. I don't know. I could see it in his face. I could see how worried he was. Yeah. And now yeah. I feel like now I know why he yeah. was so worried when he had yeah. it and when he was coming out of it, probably because of what you guys went through, especially what his dad went through. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he mentioned it, but, you know, Miles is also a very private guy. So he didn't, you know, expound upon how, you know, bad his dad's version of it was. And he was he was worried because it was the start of football season. He couldn't stay. You know, he didn't know if that was the one and only time. And ironically, um, we, my husband had a 100 year old grandmother who early in the COVID um, fight lost her life to COVID. Mm. Um, yeah, we had just celebrated her 100th year birthday. And within a couple of months, COVID had taken her. And so he was losing people. Um, it, it was, a, even though it wasn't COVID related, we lost several very close family members in the first half of 2020 that were just it it was bad our family probably collectively has lost maybe 10 or 11 people um not ne yeah not necessarily COVID related just the loss um wow. and um it, it was just rough it, it was 2020 oh. was rough i mean i told you my sister just passed away in february I was just praying. I didn't want 2020 on our headstone. I, it just would have just been a, a horror. I hate to say it, but it's just, it would just been a horrible reminder to how horrible 2020 was for us. Wow. So you must be, uh, must have been happy to turn the calendar and, and start fresh, right? My God. Yeah. All 2021 had to do was show up and just not be 2020. <laughs> no pre-name, no preconceived anything. Just do not repeat what's in, you know, 2020 was rough. Yes, it really was. But especially it sounds like for you guys. So I'm glad that you uh, are, are on the mend from all of that. Well, I'm, and I'm sure so many other families went through the same thing. I mean, I'm, ours is, is no different from so many other families out there who suffered you know, losses, you can see them every day on TV. I don't care if it's one person or 10 people in your family, your loss is your loss. So we are just yes. grateful for the people that we have left. And if COVID doesn't do anything else, it should just remind us to love one another mm -hmm. as much as possible because tomorrow's not promised to you in any capacity. Oh, isn't that the truth? But now I see Miles uh, hooping it up on, uh, on, on, <laughs> Instagram and Twitter and it looks like he's got his wind back and, and he looks yeah. like, he's, like yeah. he's doing great now, right? He looks good. We saw we spent the weekend with him and um, we we drove down to where he is and they were out in the park throwing the football, Frisbee playing with the dog. You know, he has he's back. It's one thing about being in Texas. If you work out in Texas in this heat, it's not really hot yet, but like when he came in in his rookie year, he definitely had a level of physicality just conditioning wise that he hasn't had since because he hasn't had the ability to really come back and work out in this Texas heat. And if you can get some Texas heat going and get yourself in condition, honey, watch out. It's a whole different, it's a different world down there that, that it, it is, is up here, really. It is. I, I also saw, and we talked a little bit about this, as you mentioned yesterday, that that if you did have anything to do all over again, that you would slow the world down a little bit when they were younger and just cherish the moments a little bit more. Just address that for a sec. Okay. I'm probably going to disappoint you in this. I don't like children. I never have. <laughs> See, and I kept a straight face and I, I, I'm not that woman. I, I'm not. And it's so ironic because I say that and my siblings all wanted children and I'm the only sibling out of four that had them. So I, I, I didn't have a maternal bone until I had children. I did not know that I had the capacity to love anything like I love those those three children there that I gave birth to. And my bonus child is just like mine, too. I would fight a bear for her. Um, with that said, because I, I didn't appreciate the gift of motherhood in the midst of it. 
I was so busy trying to get them. I need them to be like little people, adults. Come on, y'all, because I'm just not I'm not a kid person. Then as they grew up, I understood the value of childhood when Sean left. And so when he and, and it gave me a better appreciation to kind of slow down and appreciate the younger kids as when you see how quickly that first one went out the door. And I think that's when I really started trying to smell those individual roses. And I always pride them. I, I would tell anybody, I, I'm not a kid person. Nah, you can have them. <laughs> but but it, they, they are my biggest accomplishment. Mm -hmm. They are my biggest joy. Um, I would not change anything about being the mother to any of them. And they have brought me my biggest pains, but they have brought me to the highest of highs of, and not because of I'm drafted number one or I'm in the first round or I'm a national champion. Your biggest high can come when nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened to watch Miles with a sick child. It's so good, you know, while Sean was tossing computers, <laughs> he was feeding hungry people. Um, my daughter during, during my sister's sick last few months of her, weeks of her illness, she showed me a depth of compassion and love that made me know Lawrence and I did something right. Has nothing to do with athletics. It's the heart that they have within that is my greatest joy. So when it comes to being their mom and and some of the things that I would, I, I really appreciate the roses that I'm smelling now. I may not have appreciated them as much when they were little. I was like, ooh, I'd be so glad he'd get his own, you know, water. <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely tell mothers now, especially when you have more than one child, slow down. I'll tell you this though, one thing I always did with the kids is I always took them out individually. So we would sneak and go have, it's hard to sneak when you have more than one child. So <laughs> you, I would go, oh, we're going to go shop for shoes, you know, whether, and I may just take them to, to lunch and just talk. And to this day, I individually have dinner or lunch with the, my kids. They know I do it to them now. And I'll just, I'll say, you know, Lawrence, I'm going to, you know, when I'm in Cleveland, I'll go, okay, Miles and I have a date. We're going and go eat something together. And, you know, first it's like, I ain't getting it. Nah, you didn't get an invite. And I just, we don't talk about football. We don't talk about basketball. We don't talk about track. We talk about them and, and their dreams and their hopes or aspirations. Something that's maybe going on, how you feeling. My job is is to just be their mom in that capacity. It's not to be, they got coaches. They got they got a dad to talk to them about sports. I know that's not my thing. And I was an athlete, so go figure. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, now it's so obvious why whenever Miles talks about you, he does talk about you like you hung the moon. And, really? Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it, I, when, when he talks about you, I, I always think, God, I, I hope my kids talk about me like that, the way that you talk about your mom. It's, wow. it's pretty incredible to watch. Uh, yeah, he, he thinks, obviously, thinks the world of you as he should. And uh, he really appreciates uh, you for who you are and everything that you've done. And that's really, really obvious. It comes wow. through. What, what, are your, uh, what are your hopes for Miles as he goes through, you know, the rest of his career and his, his life? Career-wise, I just want him to meet his goals. I don't have any goals for him as far as his career is concerned. Um, as far as him as an individual and as a man, I want him to leave a legacy. And legacy is not about money. It's about the impression that you leave behind that is impactful to others. And if it's, if it's the example to give, and to lead in giving, if it's a, if it's an example to serve, it's an ex, if it's an example of compassion, if it's an example of forgiveness, then those are the things that I want for him. Um, I will always support him. I will support all three children, all four children, in their life goals. 
but I want them to leave a legacy that has nothing to do with finances, but to be with humanity. We are, you know, I said at the end of the chapter of Creatix, the books that the book that we started this interview talking about, really be kind to one another. At the end of the day, we're just walking each other home. And I don't mean home as in your address, my address. It's to our final destination to meet our maker. And be kind to one another upon the journey. It's there's we're all going to get to the end journey. And what did you do upon the road of that journey? That's the important part. It's, 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 it's simple. Well, in just getting to know Miles a little bit over these last three years, uh, I think it, it's really obvious that you instilled all of that in him. So you can uh, rest assured knowing that you've done the job that you, you set out to do. And, and, uh, and I commend you for it because I know how hard it is to get it right, isn't it? You got three. It is. It is. It is the hardest thing for those people who did not find parenting hard. You did must not done something right <laughs> because I had three different children who were three different personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like I say that Miles is Lawrence, Bree is me, Sean is a mix of his dad and I that. You know, I'm like shucks, and so I had to parent them differently. Bria was my child. I had this is this is analogy for my children. Sean was a child. If you said, "Don't touch the oven. The oven is hot," he's gonna look around the corner, <laughs> see if you're watching, touch the stove. Bria's gonna come behind him and say, "Yeah, but the stove has lemon cookies in there. Let me just <laughs> see if this side is hot." And she gonna check to see if it's hot. Get burned, and then come in and say, "Mom." I burned my head on the hot stove. <laughs> Sean is never going to admit to you that he even touched the stove. Sean would sit there and hide that hand, have that burnt hand burning him up and never say a word because it wasn't me. Miles is going to look at both of them and say, nah, I'm going to leave the stove alone until she says okay. <laughs> and so you had to parent. I mean, I'm sure you went to the same thing. No mm-hmm. one child is the same. So when people ask you, like you have some magical special recipe to make your kid be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, whatever. I always said, I don't care if they're garbage men, they're going to just be the best garbage men they can be. Have some pride about yourself. You, you're, you, they're just different. And mm-hmm. every kid is a success. And if you don't validate their successes as they have them, it's all about support. And if you don't, you know, when I speak to people and, and I have speaking engagements, the biggest thing is just support. It's it's support. It's not, my kids weren't competitive with one another. They supported the effort. So I, I, I will plead the blood of Jesus on support. Support your kids. That's amazing. Well, Audrey, listen, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. I, for the past couple of years, I've, I've wanted to meet you. Uh, I knew that you were amazing. I could just tell. And, uh, and so I, I, I had so much fun talking to you today. I, I and, enjoyed it also. And thank you for oh, having me. Oh, good. And really looking forward to the book coming out that Blake has written. Yeah. And yeah. Do you have it? This is the book, Create It. Oh. Yeah. And if you say Mary oh. Nassif is my girl. And if you know anything about her charity, So Good Now. She's really in the community trying to help young people uh, learn about philanthropy early and giving back into the community. So it was right up our neighborhood for, you know, what we believe in in, her, in the Garrett household. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so everyone, uh, I hope everyone gets a chance to read the book. Your part in it is amazing. And I just really, really thoroughly enjoyed spending this time with you today. <laughs>